Have you ever thought of becoming a therapist? Do people tell you that you're a great listener? Have you ever thought to yourself, hmm, lots of people come to me with their problems? Well, then this is the episode for you. Welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. I'm Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, nationally board certified therapist. I practice in Texas and work at a local nonprofit. Today, I'm presenting you with a pre recorded conversation with Myra Garcia, licensed clinical social worker. So I'll have Myra introduce herself. She's co hosting this first episode with me. Hi, Crystal. Thanks for having me on your podcast again. Um, So I'll introduce myself. I'm Myra Garcia, and I'm currently licensed as a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Texas and in New York State. Um, Really? In New York? Yeah, I'm still licensed in New York. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought it was just like you transferred it to Texas. Um, A little bit of both, and so I still keep it active. Okay, so you're licensed in two states. Yes, I'm licensed in two states. Okay. Can you tell us about what your current work is like? Yes, I am a therapist supervisor at the El Paso Child Guidance Center, and I currently see children of all ages and adults as well. And the majority of them, they vary in terms of issues, um, but most of them have um, histories of trauma. Mm, Mm -hmm. Yes. So... I happen to work at the same place. I got permission from our executive director to mention that I do work here at the El Paso Child Guidance Center with Myra. However, um, this podcast is independent from that. It's mm-hmm. something that I work on on the side. It's my labor of love. Um, so it's completely free and accessible to everyone. Um, and I, too, just like Myra does, uh, work with people who have been victims of crime or who have survived a traumatic event Um, and children I don't work with children of all ages because you can work with children Mm -hmm. who are like zero like infants infants. Um, and I work with kids maybe two and a half and up and adults as well although adult therapy is not my focus at the center because here we do serve a lot of kids um But, yeah, we work with families also, right? So, like, if the kids that we see and they have caregivers or parents that need therapy, then we can provide that for them, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so that's who we are. That's what makes us qualified to talk about this stuff. And so we're just going to have a conversation about what to expect and how you kind of arrive to the conclusion that you want to be a therapist and how you, you know, found out that that, career even existed or Mm -hmm. just things like that and I think this is a really important topic because I mean you don't just wake up one day and decide that you want to be a therapist there's usually I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) what I mean some people maybe do um and that's great like an impulsive decision but I think there's so much more to it and there's levels and stages of growth before you even get to college yeah yeah I agree with you I think that to want to be a therapist maybe some people have dreamt of it Mm -hmm. since they were small I know that I did when I was a teenager Mm -hmm. however 
I don't know if it's one of those like impulse career decisions that you should make, right? Because mm-hmm. you're right. There is a lot on this journey, this like marathon, like lifelong learning kind mm-hmm. of career um, where it's not like you can just switch jobs from like being a bank teller to, I don't know, working as a manager somewhere mm-hmm. or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's just really intense, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It, it has a lot of responsibility and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It reminds me about how we often think of therapists as wounded healers. Mm. How we There's usually something personal that has led us to this field. Yes. Right? Whether it's a history of trauma, whether witnessing somebody go through something traumatic and then driving us to that. So it definitely can't be an impulse decision because you have to do a lot of self-exploration. What even drove you to the field? Otherwise, those things can come up later on once you are a therapist, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I hear a lot, even from my own clients that are like teenagers, Sometimes they'll say, well, I want to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I have that discussion with them, of course, I let them lead the conversation. But then I give them a realistic sense of like, look, I know you're in therapy right now for some intense stuff. And you have to work through that mm-hmm. really intensively all the way up until and even as you become a therapist Mm -hmm. and you are practicing as a therapist it's not something that you're just like okay I went to therapy once and like and I'm talking about people who have been clients in therapy before Mm -hmm. who maybe have mental illness or a diagnosis that was really limiting them um but yeah I agree it 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 can't be an impulse decision and you do have to do a lot of self-reflection a lot and it's we see self-reflection and I think it's because we live in this world of like therapy Mm -hmm. and we know what self-reflection means to us but can you describe what you mean by that like what is your definition of that Mm -hmm. for somebody who's thinking hmm I want to be a therapist I just have to reflect on myself like yeah you're right I think that is kind of a therapist term but I think we everybody does self-reflection whether they realize it or not for every decision or anything they do right Mm -hmm. so you think about what drives me to do this or want to do this and then kind of finding those connections and then digging into those connections right so I'm thinking about if somebody Mm -hmm. wants to go into this field um, and let's say they had an encounter with a therapist in their childhood and or later on in life, um, they might want to think about, well, am I doing this for myself because I still need to heal a little bit more? Am I doing this because this person um, made a great impact on my life? Um, Do I want to imitate them? Do I want to do the same thing? And so just exploring and questioning almost everything you do, um, but not necessarily in a bad way. Um, So I think we do that already all the time, whether Mm -hmm. it's like buying a car, right? You reflect on, do I want to make this investment Mm -hmm. and spend the money? Can I do it? And so you think about all of the factors and it's the same thing when deciding to be a therapist. Yeah, and I think the word investment is, uh, is also a really good descriptor for it mm-hmm. um, because it really is an investment. It's an investment in yourself. Um, it's an investment in your clients and future clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a whole other career because you're, you're not messing with, but you have a lot of responsibility and influence mm-hmm. um, as a therapist. And I think it's important to understand 
that level of like responsibility you have and so this is somebody's life you know it's a lot of privilege to for somebody to give to you the intimate pieces of their life yeah absolutely like finding things out that maybe their own family members don't know about and will Mm -hmm. never know about Mm -hmm. um and so carrying that is a big responsibility so self-reflection is involved and i think you described that really well and really thinking about the investment that you're going to make um, Mm -hmm. when you decide to become a therapist. Um, And then I would say, I don't know, what do you think the next part is? So self-reflection, how how can people do self-reflection? I think just questions. Questions, 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 right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about my own journey and deciding to be a therapist. I asked myself, why do I want to do this? I kind of just went from there. Where, why do I want to do this? How is this going to help me? How is this going to help other people? Am I willing to um, put in the work? Um, Am I willing to put in work after I get a degree? And then just continuing to question everything so that I can think about all of the angles. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not just focusing on what we want, but also maybe what we don't want. Um, Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're accustomed to thinking, what do I want? What do I want to achieve? What's going to work for me? What do we want? Like, what do we want to possess or achieve? But there are things that we don't want. Mm -hmm. And that's that's an important thing to consider. So... When do you feel comfortable talking about why you decided to become a therapist? Like your why? Yeah, I'll talk about it. I initially wanted to be a lawyer, and just like with everybody else, I had a sense of I wanted to help people, but I didn't know in what way. And the reason that I felt like I wanted to help people was because at a certain point in my life, I felt like I needed help. I come from a family of divorce, of witnessing domestic violence, of moving around a lot, um, family history of like military, so military background, all of these things that I think have kind of molded me into wanting, needing help and then wanting to help somebody that's maybe going through similar things. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted to help because at some point I knew that I needed extra support. Mm -hmm. Law seemed like it was a good place to start just because that's what I think a lot of parents are like, oh, you should be a lawyer. You should be a doctor. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. So there's like an affluent Mm -hmm. thing about that. And so your family maybe was valued that maybe. Mm -hmm. I think it it had to do with the money, Mm -hmm. um, mainly because Mm -hmm. I came from a very low income family so the Mm -hmm. idea of pursuing higher education was associated with money so why not go to law school or be Mm -hmm. a doctor Um, but then once I learned more about it it was not in the way not the idea that I had about helping people because I knew that there was being a lawyer I would have to decide who to help specifically whether I wanted to protect people that maybe were guilty or maybe um, defend somebody just there was so many things and so I decided that's not what I wanted to do and then I thought about okay a doctor Um, then I thought a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought well I don't want to go to med school Mm-hmm. Um, and two... And that was what you didn't want. That's what that I didn't want. Things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I didn't want to go to med school. And then I thought about myself again. What did I need? 
at the time. And I think I really needed somebody to just talk to. Mm-hmm. And I thought about, well, if I go into psychiatry, it's, I mean, it's medical school. So I'd be very busy. I'd be prescribing medication. And not every psychiatrist has the ability to meet with their clients for therapy. True. Um, yeah. So okay. I thought, what can I do now? And so I dug a little bit deeper and I realized that I could be a therapist, a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did remember once encountering a social worker at a hospital, like at a clinic that I went to, a doc, as like a medical clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know what she did. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember her asking me questions, but not really knowing because I was a kid. I must have been like 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was doing my search, I then thought, well, I can't be a social worker because then I'm just going to work asking questions at like a clinic. Yeah, that was your experience. That was my, to, yeah, uh-huh. because that's what I associated with. Okay. And then as I kept searching, I was like, oh, well, I can actually focus on something specific like mental health or clinical work and I can be a therapist. Mm. And then that's yeah. when, that's how I got to be a therapist. But it was a lot of exploring of what I wanted what I didn't want, what my family wanted for me, Mm -hmm. what I didn't agree on, and then also how far I was willing to go. So medical school was obviously going to be like years and years of school. You would have probably barely finished. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was not something that I felt I was ready for at the time Mm -hmm. or not something that I was willing to go for just because knowing my own strengths, knowing my limitations in terms of education. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Self-discovery and all that stuff that happens, I would say, after high school in your early 20s and understanding yourself and uh, doing that reflection, but also understanding your limitations like for me my limit for sure is like math like Mm -hmm. I for some whatever reason cannot compute like stats was like the furthest I had to get I started at like remedial one or something Mm -hmm. because it was so bad and I knew that if I wanted to be a doctor I'd have to take a whole crap load of math Mm -hmm. and I knew that that would be really really stressful for me and I understood that my threshold and frustration tolerance for that type of thing was low so Mm -hmm. I was like why am I going to set myself up for failure here Mm -hmm. um so that was one thing because my mom and my dad right they're my dad is from Mexico. My mom came from humble beginnings and, you know, wanted me to become a doctor. Um, and so I was like, okay, that's what I want to do to please mm-hmm. my parents, right? So once I realized that I was like, you know what? Like, nope, that's not my dream. That's like their dream for me. And that's cool, right? But I'm the one who's going to have to be in this career for the rest of my life mm-hmm. and like work for it, not them, yeah. you know? And so. I had to understand that, like, some of that stuff was just, it was not for me. And I had Mm -hmm. to kind of go through this, like, grieving process where I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that after all. After years of thinking that that's Mm -hmm. what I was going to do. You know what I mean? And so that was interesting. But then also at a point in my life, I needed therapy. I had to take medication. And... It was kind of weird, and this is something that I had discussed with, like, my grad school professors and stuff and counseling later on about how I had, like, crap therapists, Mm -hmm. right? And they were kind of like, that's weird that 
you had crap therapists, but you want to be a therapist. Like, mm-hmm. how? why do you want to do that? Like, why? And I'm like, well, at first it was kind of like this personal vendetta thing, right? And I'm like, I'm going to be on the board and I'm going to fire all the bad therapists, right? Um, and so then, there's that motivation? Yeah, so, so that motivation. motivation for me was maybe not coming from, like, the healthiest place. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after good therapy and uh, having a therapist that matched me and my needs and going to them periodically over time, even now, I came to the conclusion that um, that's not the only reason. Mm -hmm. And I think what I reframed it as is to be who I needed Mm -hmm. when I was little. Yeah. So even though I didn't have the good experience, I know what I didn't want to be. And over time, I did meet people that I looked up to Mm -hmm. and that I was like, okay, I had like this corrective emotional experience and was like, this is awesome. Like this therapy, like this person is good and I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. Like finally, you know what I mean? So that those very personal and deep reasons, I think, matter Mm -hmm. um, because this profession is not, again, like bank teller kind yeah. of thing <laughs> and full disclosure i didn't know that when i first uh <laughs> you're like yeah i was like oh <laughs> if it's kind of like a psychiatrist then i must i must i'm probably gonna make money similar to a psychiatrist yeah um you know i want to laugh at you yeah but like, it's okay i was really naive <laughs> um i really but, didn't know um but that's something to consider yeah i mean money money was important and obviously, it's important to a certain degree. I came yeah, from for everybody. Yeah, for everybody. Yeah. I came from a very, like you said, very humble background. Like very, very humble background. So, if I was going to invest this time in something, I expected to have some money in return. But I didn't know that until probably maybe I entered grad school. Maybe I, when I got accepted into grad school, and I was like, oh, I think I read an article or somebody said something like, even though we don't make a lot of money, and I was like, what? Like, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the oh, opening sentence. Yeah, I was like, this is a little too late to back out at <laughs> oh, this point. <laughs> but I mean, I was really, I really wanted to do the work. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was a little bit sad that it's not a very high paying job because it should be. It should, yeah. it should totally be like teaching and mental health professionals. Like, we are so underpaid and yeah. undervalued. It's like not even funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if, If you're thinking about income Mm -hmm. and you're like, man, like, I'm on the fence about becoming a therapist, one thing to add to your pros or cons list is Mm -hmm. to consider how much you're going to make. Of course, it varies by state, and then every city has their cost of living and things like that, Um, but being prepared for not having, like, a doctor or surgeon salary Mm -hmm. or, like, a lawyer salary. Like, no, we get paid... Less than teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, surprise, just yeah. kidding. I'm like, mm, how um, many uh, listeners did you just lose right now? I know, right? Like, like click, oh, never bye. mind, right? And that's fine if you find, if you discover, like, I'm doing it for the money and it's like, oh, never mind. That's mm-hmm. not a money making thing. Like, and that's okay. That's too. okay. Yeah. It's totally fine. What, what was it like for you to be like, okay, I've decided to be therapist. I'm going to submit my paperwork to grad school and mm-hmm. like I'm ready like we're gonna do this mm-hmm. um it was tough and I feel like it was a very lonely time for me because mm-hmm. I was 
I am the only one in my entire family, paternal and maternal side, to have a master's degree. So I had no sense of orientation. Nobody to guide me, nobody, no resource, no absolute like accessibility to resources, nobody that I could turn to. So it seemed like a far-fetched idea for me. Hmm. It seemed like I'm applying to something and I really hope that I get in. But a lot of self-doubt. Like, I don't know if I'll get in. Mm. Um, I had the grades for it. So I was, I knew that I was, I had confidence that I was smart and that I was intelligent and that I would do great things. But applying for school, I think, makes you really question that because it has so many questions, right? Yeah, yeah. And you have to stand out and you have to mm. highlight your own strengths and you have to... Um, you, you almost have to brag about yourself, but in a humble way. Right. And when you have nobody to support you on that, it can be a very lonely time. And I applied to, I think, four schools. Mm-hmm. Um, four schools that I thought were very far-fetched for me. They were, like, my dream schools. Mm. And so I think that added to the pressure of that. I was like, nobody in my family has ever gone to grad school. I, I don't know how to kind of highlight my strengths because one nobody's ever taught me how to do that Mm, and then it's time consuming Mm -hmm. to write all of these statements and to gather all of your transcripts and And sometimes it costs money um and then if you don't know that sometimes they give waivers then it's very expensive to apply for school they do that some of them do oh my god i didn't even know that um some years like (laughs) something that i learned to do is to email and ask like do you provide any waivers Mm. or scholarships for low-income student low-income students and they do if you ask they do they don't market it Mm -hmm. and i mean that's really unfair but if you are persistent and if you ask most of the time they do and so I remember I only had to pay maybe for like one Mm -hmm. um and then I thought to myself well I'm not going to go to that school if they're requiring me to pay for an application knowing that I don't have the money for it I'm like struggling so much and I ended up going to that school which is really funny um (laughs) you're like yeah okay Um, yeah but yeah I mean it was very time consuming and I feel like it was a very lonely time just because I spent a lot of time by myself working on these statements making sure everything was perfect and a lot of moments of self-doubt like Will I even get in? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think we have in common is that we had no, I had no idea, like, how to apply to grad school. I seriously, full disclosure on my part, didn't even know you needed a master's degree to mm. be a therapist. I was like, okay, I'll get my bachelor's in psychology and be a therapist. And then I met a professor who was like, nope, that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, crap. If he wouldn't have said that to me, mm-hmm. I would have just, like, gone through and, like, not apply, like, not prepare for it. Um, and that's because also in my family, like, there was, I think, one, my oldest cousin went to law school at UT, Austin, mm-hmm. um, and but he's so much older than me that we weren't, like, even connected, I guess, in that yeah. way where he could, like, guide me. Like, this is what the what it takes now in 2009 because he graduated in, like, 1990-something from over there. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was that disconnect. Yeah, there. like, yeah. I didn't have the information. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Um, luckily, I found a laboratory in the psychology department. And so that was at UTEP with Dr. Sarate. 
um, and he had a social psychology lab. And so because my major was in psychology, they would come and ask us, like, to participate in experiments, right? Like mm-hmm. for a gift card or, like, for free. Or you would have to get it, do it for extra credit or for an assignment. So I ended up doing one of those. And then they said, like, we need lab assistants. So if you're interested or, like, you want to apply to grad school, um, you should probably come do this and, like, stick with one of us and we'll guide you through that process. And I was like, hmm, okay, like... I need this exposure, even though it was a lot of work. Like, I had to go in and run experiments. Um, A lot of the time, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, I just, you know, because data and math, right? And I struggled, but I ended up, you know, getting, like, a a senior honors thesis. Somebody really helped me with it. Um, The professor and everybody in the lab was really rooting for me to, like, apply to grad school. So they helped me with... Thankfully, like with my cover letter and like Mm, things like that, because I had no idea how to do any of that, like at all. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I remember taking my cover letter to her name is Moira. She's a she's a doctor of psychology doing something, some research, I think now. And she like kind of tore apart my cover letter and was like, it was like two pages long. And she's like, nope, it needs to be like three sentences. And I'm like, what? Oh my God. So she taught me how to be concise. And like, it was just like life tutoring, like how to Mm -hmm. life and adult. It was weird. And it's very different than undergrad because I feel like in undergrad, they, they recruit you. They try to really set you up for success, at least in my experience Mm -hmm. at UT. Um, and it's like, well, what happens after, right? How Mm. come it's not the same when you're thinking about going to grad school? You have to take more of the initiative and seek out those resources unless you have like a mentor or somebody that you're really close to. And I didn't have that. And it sounds like you had maybe somebody that picked up on it and then you went with it. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't think that happens often. No, I don't think it does. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, I don't know if that person wouldn't have mentioned that or if we didn't have that discussion in class. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't have said anything. I would. I don't think I would have ever found out. I would have found out later or whatever. So if you're listening to this right now mm-hmm. and you're an undergrad, find yourself a mentor. Go to your, if you're in psychology mm-hmm. or social work, go to your professors. See what they need help with. See if you can start to establish relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Ask them questions about how to apply to grad school. What do I need to do to get to this point in my career? And they're pretty good about guiding Mm -hmm. you. I think you just have to, like you did, like take that initiative and ask. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of time this stuff doesn't just fall in your lap. And I seriously Mm -hmm. thought that's how it was. Mm -hmm. But no. No, (laughs) you're a very rare case. Yeah. 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 So also researching what specific schools want or what they look for. Um, I remember thinking when I was... Um, looking at application requirements like the GRE and mm. all of these other tests, and I was like, "What? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. what is this? Yeah." yeah. Um, or if they preferred that you worked in a lab or that you have experience with research, and I was like, "Well, it's a little too late for that." So how do I highlight that? And again, that self doubt, but knowing that you still have a chance, even if you haven't been exposed to those things before yeah Mm -hmm. and and even if you have a lower gpa like you can still apply to graduate Mm -hmm. school something that one of my professors i think it was dr sarate that said if i get a grad school um 
what is it called application mm-hmm. and I look at it and it's a 4.0 GPA it's like that that tells me that that person's probably not very well rounded and I'm like interesting because he's and then he went on to say something like I'd rather take the person with the 3.2 who has all his volunteer experience mm-hmm. and like did extra things with their life and didn't live in a hole uh, <laughs> and I yeah. would rather have that person work with me than like the 4.0 student mm-hmm. so I'm like interesting so I, I think that if you're listening to it to this and thinking about going to grad school whether it's for therapy or not you should throw your hat in the ring mm-hmm. like why not Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah. Somebody could look really damn good on paper and, like, mm-mm, you know? Yeah. Like, mm. Not be able to actually perform in person. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what else do you think people need to know about becoming a therapist? Well, I think that even... So let's say you do get into grad school and you're getting close to being in the field um, and licensure and all of that and practicing... I think that that reflection still needs to happen throughout. I remember that um, I I was in a program that suggested that I went to therapy while I was in the program. One, to know mm. what it's like to be the person receiving therapy. Two, to kind of like provide a critique of the therapist Mm -hmm. and then also I think it was really more about working on things that you hadn't worked on before um, Mm -hmm. which is what I did and I found that it was very helpful for me it was more of like okay I get to learn about the therapeutic process but then I also got to work on the things that could have been potentially um, maybe I don't want to say a barrier or challenging but maybe they could that could have come up later while I was practicing and so it was like I'm learning about the field but then I'm also learning more about myself and what I need to improve and what I need to work on so that I could be a good therapist and so being open to the idea of lifelong reflection um, I think is what makes you a really good therapist absolutely a reflection and being aware of Mm -hmm. your blind spots or aware not aware of the blind spots because then you wouldn't have blind spots. But being aware that you have blind spots Mm -hmm. and being open to the fact that you are going to have to reflect on those to be an effective therapist. And why do we say that so much? And I think it's because we have other people's lives in our hands um, on some level. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of responsibility, but it will greatly decrease your effectiveness as a therapist. So, for example, let's say... For pretend, I or Myra, we have this, like, we haven't worked on this traumatic event that had happened in our life. Mm-hmm. And it was, let's say it was a car accident or something. Um, and then a client walks through our door and they are 30 years old, went through a car accident at the same age we did. And I have unresolved trauma from that then all kinds of things are going to be running through your head. You might get triggered. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to be present with that person. And so that's why I'm trying to think of, like, how to explain why we need to reflect so much. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I think it sounds a little bit scary to think, okay, I'm going to be triggered, and then what's going to happen to me as a person, as a therapist in the room? Mm -hmm. It's way more subtle than that, right? You maybe start to just think about that time that you had that similar experience. Um, Maybe your mind wanders, and then you're not in the room, and you're not able to listen, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not like 
you start to develop trauma symptoms as well. It's they're just so subtle, maybe like nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, that can affect your relationship because after mm-hmm. all, therapy is relationship based. Yeah, all right? of it. All of it. Yeah. Um, so if there are things that are going to get in the way of building a strong relationship with the people you work with, then I think it's our duty in in everything that we do to kind of work on that, even in personal relationships, mm-hmm. in romantic relationships, yeah. in friendships, in relationships with our family, with our parents. There are things that are going to trigger us and that are going to affect the way that we relate to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And I, I think therapy or being a therapist is weird in that way where mm-hmm. it's interpersonal work, right, with another individual that you don't know, but it's so personal that you have to reflect. So there is this fine line that you have to kind of cross back and forth between. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a person and I'm a human and I have my own stuff to deal with. And if I don't fix that, it's going to get in the way with my client. So it's mm-hmm. like jumping rope, you know, like going yeah. back and forth across this very fine line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be honest, I mean, our clients aren't here or the clients or the people that we work with aren't here to comfort us. Or to help us heal, right? Maybe in a way we heal by hearing about their resilience and hearing about their strengths and their um, own journey. But if we're triggered or if something comes up for our personal experiences as a therapist, it's unfair to to put that on the person that's sitting in front of us in the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you ever have a therapist and they're talking to you about their problems or... (laughs) It turns into, oh, mm-hmm. like, me, 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 and, like, I mean, that's probably a sign that, one, they probably haven't, they don't, maybe they're not self-aware, or mm-hmm. something's going on in their life that's not letting them perform yeah. effectively with you. Um, I don't want to be too judgmental, but, you know, I mean, life happens, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's hard to do this work. And so, I think people need to be aware of that, too. If you're thinking of becoming a therapist, understanding that it's this, like, change process like it transforms you I remember going through graduate school and having my counseling professors talk about like in the very beginning like disclaimer everybody like there are some of you that are gonna like get divorced there are some of you that are gonna like move there are some of you that are gonna quit there's some of you that are like gonna wanna like go to a PhD program like there's all these different like life changes that can happen because I think your worldview mm-hmm. changes or is that just me? I no, don't know. I think, I think that's true. I think that you're exposed to just so many things that maybe you've never thought about before. Or maybe you have thought about it, but never really seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. So then you start to, yeah, the way that you see the world, the way that you see people, the way that you see yourself changes so much. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And there are people, I remember one of the people in my cohort left the program maybe in year two which we were almost done but she realized like this is not for me like mm-hmm. I'm not going to be mm-hmm. a therapist yeah and so I think that's important to be able to to be brave enough to do that mm-hmm. I think that was brave on her part to be yeah. like you know what like nope I can't mm-hmm. do this and and it's okay because I think if you push yourself into something or force yourself to finish and like force yourself to get licensed just because apples yeah I'm already here mm-hmm. I might as well finish like that's not the right idea either like you have to really want this career I think Mm -hmm. and so I think that 
undergrad doesn't prepare you for that. I think they just give you kind of like the highlights of what you could be. Mm. And then kind of like what you can do. And then once you get to grad school, it's almost like you start to practice it more because maybe you have internships, um, you do role plays, you have professors that are actually practicing. So it's like a deeper dive into it. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's totally okay for somebody to decide this is not what I want to do because that's what grad school is for, too. It's a step closer to the actual thing. Right, like they're exposing you a lot more, mm-hmm. and not only exposing you, but expecting you to practice. Yeah. So that way you can do exactly that practice, mm-hmm. so that when you're out there, and mm-hmm. you're doing the job, like you'll know, you'll have a sense of what it's like. Yeah. What was grad school like for you? Was it rigorous? Was it difficult? Was it a lot of writing? What, what mm-hmm. was it like? Well, it's funny because I think about this a lot. I think at the time it seemed really hard Mm -hmm. because I was living it. Mm -hmm. But then now when I think about it, I'm like, okay, it was not that hard. Oh, okay. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's just because I'm not in that experience anymore that I'm like, oh, I, I did it. Right. So it seems like it was less stressful. But during grad school, it was it was hard. I think it was hard. Um, I know it was hard. I was in a program that was advanced standing, so my program was only a year, a fall and a spring semester. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I took on extra courses during the winter break um, just because I felt like I needed a little bit more. Um, But it was really hard. I remember, and I was going to, I was going to school. I had to do my internship. I needed to live, so I had a job. And then finding time to do my homework and then finding a time to go to the gym because that was my form of self-care. And so I think it was really hard. And I remember feeling discouraged because I was, I think at first I came in, well, if I was able to do well in undergrad, then I should be okay in grad school. But it was very different. I think Mm -hmm. that the level of expectation was... um, one, you're older, you've had this experience, you know what you want. This is a very delicate field. Mm -hmm. So I think all of that could be overwhelming and maybe felt overwhelming at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had a very strong support system. Um, My cohort was very close, so we spent a lot of time together. My professors were very supportive, which I think is also different than undergrad because Mm, um, obviously the, the cohort is smaller. At least in my experience in social work, the cohort was smaller, which meant I was able to create stronger relationships with my professors and with my classmates. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so you're all living through this together and your professors have gone through this. So they were able to kind of orient me a little bit more. But it was hard. I remember it being hard. And I remember being in my internship and thinking, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of work. I'm learning all of these things in class. Now I have to apply it at work. Mm. Uh, my internship, like, this is confusing. Um, but then I think at the end it all came together. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I'm like, it's not. it wasn't that hard. But at the time it felt very hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think especially when you're in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like full time and it's really rigorous and the expectations are high. I think it depends on your program, mm-hmm. one. Um I had a cohort that was small as well. Um, I think what stood out for me 
in graduate school was just the rigor mm-hmm. and I think um, being ready for a lot of criticism but like constructive criticism mm-hmm. from professors um, so graduate school was kind of like you're going to record some of your sessions you're going to do transcribing of whole sessions so mm-hmm. like that was really difficult and I hated that <laughs> but I grew a lot from those things that mm-hmm. were really difficult um, and I think I'm better for it because of like the ringer you know they mm-hmm. put you through but my my program was six semesters long um, and that was like the fast track right mm. so it was two years six semesters and in the very last semester I was like burned the f out mm-hmm. I was like I quit I call I remember calling my mom and dad and I was like I quit I was crying and I was like I can't do this this is insane I don't know what the hell I was thinking um, and I, I had a lot of supervisors. I had two different internship sites. It was really rigorous and hard. And I felt kind of isolated just um, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But I think it was really hard. But my parents were like, are you dumb? Like, you're a semester away. And I'm like, I know, and I really want to do this. So, like, I had to find the grit inside to like just push through and finish and so it was rewarding and I'm glad I finished obviously because now I'm working but Mm -hmm. like man that was hard like and Mm -hmm. I don't think people prepare you for that like you say um and I think also like in our family culture and I think just generally in Mexican culture uh being a Chicana like that didn't have didn't come from an affluent like Mm -hmm. background where people went to school and like did the professor thing and like had all this access to like academia and like Mm -hmm. intelligent people you know what I mean I'm not saying people aren't intelligent but just the level of education people have like that's just not something I grew up with Mm -hmm. and so I didn't expect that it was like a train hitting me you know what I mean it was like dang like Mm -hmm. how did I even adapt but I mean and I, I think know. at the time it's hard to see that everything in grad school has a purpose because you're just trying to get through it. Yeah, it's um, true. And when why I think torturing me, yeah, I'm like oh, why do I have to do these process recordings or why do I have to record myself? And now I'm like, no, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, yeah. A I don't, grad school program without that is like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. remembering that all of this serves a purpose after mm-hmm. right yeah. um, and I think that that's what can help somebody really push through that it's not just oh you have to take English 101 or uh, math intro to math because those are the requirements like in an undergrad right. like an undergrad right but right. these are very specialized courses that are really going to benefit you and they have a purpose and meaningful mm-hmm. uh, the last thing just to wrap up real quick because I know you have to go and I'm hungry yeah, so, no, sorry I'm my like, stomach's like uh, I know I'm like okay oh, God, this thing's going to pick it up. <laughs> now that you're practicing, we're here now, we've arrived, we have our license, we're in an agency, we're not in private practice, that's a little different. I can't speak to that because I've never had that experience, but we're practicing, we see clients every day, we're working here, we both happen to be supervisors, and I mean, what is it that you think people need to hear about this stage of the game? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's any different than when you're preparing to go to grad school. I I agree. It's a lot of you taking the initiative and seeking out what you need because, unfortunately, people aren't just going to hand it to you. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And as Chicana women, I think we have to work harder for that. Um, So I think it's the same thing. You seek out what you need and you work really hard because you've gotten this far and looking for the people that are going to support you and back you up and help you Mm -hmm. grow as a clinician and as a person. um, Yeah. Because that's going to benefit the people that you work with. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And your clients. Mm -hmm. Because, like we had mentioned earlier, it's like a lifelong learning career. Like, you have to be willing to be corrected. You have to Mm -hmm. be willing to take constructive criticism. You have to be willing to bite the bullet and be like, ooh, I didn't know that. And now I have to apply this. And, like, understand that you will never know everything. Everything. Even if you've been in the field for 20 years. I've met therapists, and this is where I think my thing my personal vendetta from before happened and now i realize i can look back and think about those therapists that were not very good Mm -hmm. because i think they felt like they knew everything about me and they knew everything about the field and that they didn't need to hear anything from anybody and they would give me straight up advice and it was like really judgmental Mm. and i'm like and these people are still practicing in our community by the way but um I now I know that that's what was wrong I think mm-hmm. I can look back and be like okay maybe that's what was happening with them either that or something that they're not like checking in on on themselves or inside themselves I don't know but I know that to be a good or effective therapist it takes like this um, maintenance mm-hmm. it's not just like yay I've arrived we're done yeah you're like, never no. truly competent you're mm-hmm. always learning. Yeah. yeah. And, like, you might have experience or be a quote-unquote expert in an mm-hmm. area, but things always change. The yeah. world changes. People are unpredictable. You have to continue getting uh, education and be up-to-date on, like, the best things for your clients, mm-hmm. um, the best practices, like, all of that. So it's a constantly evolving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you're not open to those things, or maybe you feel uncomfortable with those things, reconsidering, one, how could you improve in that area if this is something you really want to do, being a therapist, um, or if there's another field that might be better for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, because that feedback is so important. And even if somebody doesn't give it to you, or maybe isn't open to giving it to you, you need to be able to seek that. Do you have any final words or little nuggets of wisdom that you want to say you can do it (laughs) you can do it yeah especially I think like if you're a Latina or you're a Chicana like we are I think now is a really good time to be practicing and helping people that are Latinx Mm -hmm. Um, you know I was reading an article recently that said that clients that have access to diverse therapists have um greater outcomes than clients that don't so Mm. that says a lot oh yeah yeah that says and it makes a lot of sense because there are a lot of people of color in the united states right now Mm -hmm. um but it's very important to just take the chance to not doubt yourself and everybody's rooting for you even if they don't say it Yeah. yeah yeah even if they don't say it so do it do it you can do it do it do it you can do it. You can do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just that a water boy? Yes, yeah. the water boy. Okay, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. We just finished a work week, so I know it's hard, but it was nice because I think 
I don't know. It's kind of fun talking to you and doing the podcast with mm-hmm. you. It's not like, ugh, like I have work. Yeah. yeah, it's it's fun. So thank you for taking your time to do this. And I think this is another way for you to contribute to the mental health community as a social worker. So thank you. Thank you for having me and for having this podcast. You're welcome, everyone. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. Until next time. Thank you. So what are you thinking about becoming a therapist now? after hearing Myra and I talk about it. Think about it. It is a big decision, but I hope that this episode brought you a little bit of insight and clarity into what it takes to be a therapist. If you want more information or have any other specific questions for either Myra or myself, you can contact me at www.throughtheeyesofatherapist.org. This is Crystal Martinez-Acosta, Thank you for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. Until next time.